Welcome to the Dry Bones Ministries podcast. Each week, we'll bring you inspiring homilies and powerful stories from real Catholics, all about the truth, goodness, and beauty of Christ and His Church. If you're interested in supporting the work that we're doing, you can visit drybonespgh.org or follow us on social media at drybonespgh. Thanks for joining us. We hope that you are reminded of how much the Lord loves you and that you hear His invitation for you to come to life. Folks, this is this gospel is so, so important. The next four Sundays, we're going to read the gospel of John chapter 6. There's no other time in the church that we concentrate on one specific chapter. The next four Sundays, we're going to concentrate on one specific chapter, and it's John chapter 6. Why does the church give us that? Every three years this happens. Because John chapter 6 is... I don't want to say the most important chapter of the Bible, but it's one of the key chapters in all of Scripture. It's the Eucharistic chapter of the entire Bible. Here's the thing. If you don't understand John chapter 6, you don't understand the Eucharist. If you don't understand the Eucharist, you don't understand Catholicism. If you don't understand Catholicism, you're going to have a really hard time understanding who Jesus is, why he came, and what he came to do when he was here. Amen? John chapter 6 is the key. Where is the Eucharist mentioned in the scriptures? Everywhere. All four gospels talk about the Eucharist. Acts of the Apostles talk about them actually celebrating the Eucharist. Corinthians talks about the Eucharist. Romans talks about the Eucharist. Revelation is a Eucharistic book. The whole Old Testament previewed the fact that Jesus was going to institute the Eucharist. He's the new manna. But nowhere, like John chapter 6, does he specifically spell this out. The Eucharist, folks, is the source and summit. You've heard this from the Catechism. It's the source and summit of our lives. And here's the thing. The Eucharist is the source and summit of our lives, not because the Eucharist is a something. It's not an it. It's a someone. It's a him. It's the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Amen? Here's the thing about Catholics. Statistics say that those who come to Mass on Sunday, only 30% believe in the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. I just don't want to believe that. Because if that's true, let's all go home. Well, you can get better preaching in a thousand other churches. You can get better music, no offense, in a a thousand other places. I like Flannery O'Connor. I'm with her. She said if the Eucharist is just a symbol, to hell with it. This is truly Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Here's the thing. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. Why? Because when you look up here, when you receive the Eucharist, it looks like bread, it tastes like bread, it smells like bread, right? When you receive the precious blood, I don't do that anymore because of COVID. It looks like wine, it smells like wine, it tastes like wine. How in the world does this happen? Our physical senses tell us it's bread. Our physical senses tell us it's wine. But it ain't wine and it ain't bread. A very simple word, it's called transubstantiation. Say that word. It's this big philosophical term, very simple to understand. Trans means change, substantiation was where we get our word for substance. There's something called substance and accidents. Accidents are external. I'm six foot two. I have brown hair, or I used to have brown hair when I had hair. I'm 200 and however much I weigh, right? It's growing. I know that. The number's going up, right? I have blue eyes. 
Those things are accidents. This is, they're, not, they're not the Jonas. They're not me in my essence. They're not the substance of me. They change. Babies are born sometimes with blue eyes and they change to brown. We born with hair. It falls away, right? We shrink when we get a little. These are changeable things. The substance is our essence. So when we talk about transubstantiation, we're not talking about it, the accidents of the Eucharist changing. They don't. But the substance does. It's Jesus. I know it's hard. There's a thousand miracles, Eucharistic miracles to choose from. The one I love the most is Orvieto. This priest was having doubts about the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. This is in the 12th century. He was traveling from northern Italy down to Rome. He stopped at a tiny town called Orvieto. It's beautiful. And he was celebrating Mass. And he did what I'm going to do here in about five minutes. He took the Eucharist and he held it up after he consecrated the bread. And to his shock, the Eucharist bled all over his hands and dripped down onto what's called the corporal, the little cloth that I put down before I celebrate Mass when I'm preparing the altar. You can still see this cloth to this day. I've prayed in front of it many, many times. But here's the thing. That happened in the 12th century. In the 20th century, that is the 1980s, they took that cloth from Orvieto over here to the United States and they gave it to the NASA scientists. And they didn't tell them what it was. They said, just examine this and give back the findings. The NASA scientist examined a little corner of it, a piece of the blood, and found that it was blood. AB blood type, to be exact, from the myocardial valve of the heart of a Middle Eastern man who died a traumatic death during the first century. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Here's the craziest thing about the Orvieto miracle. The blood vessels were still living. It wasn't dead blood. It was alive. It was alive. My friend, Father Ron Sierra, is a mentor of mine. He was living in Buffalo at the time. He now lives in Florida, but his mom was in a coma. She'd been in a coma for about two months. And every day at his parish called Precious Blood, she, she was living in the rectory because he was taking care of her. Every day he'd celebrate Mass and then he'd break off a tiny little piece of the Eucharist, the smallest piece. And he'd bring it over to his mom and she was totally unconscious in a coma. And he'd hold it up and say, Mom, the body of Christ. And he'd pull her lip down, just a tiny bit, and he'd put the Eucharist on her tongue and he'd let it dissolve. She was in a coma the whole time. And he thought, should I really be doing this? She doesn't even know what it is. I don't, I don't know. She was having doubts for a few days. One day he went over, and this is a close friend of mine. He's a mentor of mine. This actually happened. He went over one day and he said, Mom, the body of Christ. She opened her eyes, came out of a coma, and said, Ronnie, I know it. Received the Eucharist, went back into a coma, died three days later. You don't seem impressed. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. The Eucharist truly is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. And every Christian believed that for 1,600 years until the Protestant Reformation. Every Christian to be Christian was to be Catholic or to be Coptic or to be Orthodox. There was no such thing as Protestantism for, four, for 1,600 years. How is it possible? How is it possible that bread becomes body and wine becomes blood? Listen to me, pay attention, this is important. Because the word of God is effective. 
That is, it actualizes what it commands. How is it possible that bread can become his body and wine can become his blood? Because the word of God is actual. It affects what it commands. How many of you like baseball? How many of you like the pirates? All the hands go down, except for one brave woman, right? What happens is when an umpire's at the game and somebody slides in a second and the umpire says, you're out, is he out? Yes, he's out. But if I'm in the stands and the umpire slides into second and I say, you're out, is he out? No, because my word means nothing. My word isn't effective, that it doesn't actualize what it commands. But the umpire's word has authority. It makes reality happen. He's out. It's the same with God, except he affects all of reality. In fact, in the beginning, which is Genesis, God said, let there be light, and there was... God said, let there be light, and there was. Jesus told the storm to be calm, and the storm was. He told the dead man, come out, and the dead man, he said to the little girl, rise, and the little girl, he said that the leper be clean, and the leper was. And he said, this is my body, and it's his body. And he said, this is my blood, and it's his blood. If you don't believe, why would you be here? If you're not trying to believe, why, why, just... If you're not actively trying to believe in the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, why be Catholic? Because that's what I was raised in, Father. Those days are over. We need to take the next step. We need to take the next step in our faith. Just showing up at Mass on Sunday, so dead. I travel all over the country preaching. So often I go into Catholic churches. You know what I feel like I'm in? I feel like I'm in the movie The Sixth Sense. I see dead people. <laughs> it's time to change. It's time to come alive in the power of the faith and the reality. I know, I get it. I too was bored out of my mind into my late 20s with Catholicism. But it wasn't Catholicism that it was, that was the problem. It was me. It was me personal responsibility. The word of God is effective. It actualizes what it commands. When he says this is, it is. And I just don't think it's a big deal for God. The one who made everything out of nothing can certainly make something into something else. The one who made everything out of nothing can certainly make something into something else. The one who made water, wine from water can certainly make bread into body. It's just a symbol, Father Joe. Such a paltry argument. <laughs> it has no weight, nothing to stand on. Just a symbol. Read John chapter 6, just a symbol. Just a symbol. Again, if it's just a symbol, to hell with it. Let's all go be Lutheran or something else. Jesus spoke symbolically a lot in the scriptures. He spoke a lot in the scriptures, symbolically. He said, I am the vine. Nobody said, you're crazy. You think you're a vine. They knew he was speaking symbolically. He said in John chapter 10, I'm a gate. The gate. Nobody said this guy thinks he's a gate. He's lost his mind. He said, I am the good shepherd. Nobody said, you're not a shepherd. We know you're a carpenter from Nazareth and your father was a carpenter. They knew he was speaking symbolically, so they all got it. But when he said, my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life within you, they all left because they knew he wasn't speaking symbolically. They knew he was speaking literally, and they went, this is too much for us. In fact, the actual scripture says, this saying is too hard for us. Who can understand it? We're out. 
That's John 6, verse 66, by the way. Remember what Jesus does. He turns to his disciple and he says this. Will you too leave? Will you leave like the others did? All those fleeing, flocking away from the church. Will you leave as well? Peter? Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where could I go? And Peter was saying this. I don't fully understand. I don't, I don't know how you are going to give us your flesh to eat and your blood to drink. I, I, don't, I don't get it. But I've seen you walk on water. I've seen you raise people from the dead. I've seen you take a man whose hand was withered and make it straight. I've seen you cast out demons. I don't fully understand how you are going to do what you just said you're going to do, but I believe you are God and I have seen the witness so I'm not going anywhere. You have the words of eternal life. And then on Holy Thursday, Jesus took bread and he said, this is my body and he took wine and this is my blood. And Peter must have thought in his heart, thank God I stayed, I get it now. I understand. Leave the church. What? Leave the Catholic Church? Stop practicing your faith? Not go to Mass? If you believe, what would keep you from coming here? If you believe in the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, what in the world would you be doing other than coming to Mass on Sunday? I got soccer, Father. C come again? I'm really busy. Father, Sunday's my day to relax. Can't make it to Mass. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, he doesn't say, eh, it'll be okay. He doesn't say, eh, I'm sure you're a good person. He doesn't say, uh, I'll understand when you die. He doesn't say that, not my words, his, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, this is it. You have no life within you, and if you have no life within you, that's called death. You're dead. And if you're dead in this life, how in the world do you think in the next life you're going to live? Let me touch on the gospel real quick. I'm going to start my homily now. Just kidding. The first half of John chapter 6 is a blueprint of the Mass. The second half of John chapter 6 is all about the Eucharist. The first half of John chapter 6 is what we read this morning. It's a blueprint of the Mass. Where's the Mass in Scripture? Everywhere. What does Jesus do in today's Gospel? He goes up the mountain. What do we do when we come to Mass? We come up the mountain. Did you notice that you had to walk up steps to get into this church? That's not by accident. That's theological architecture. Do you notice how high I am up here? That's not so you all can see better. That's theological architecture. The mountain is the place where you ascend to encounter God. And when you come to Mass, you come to encounter God. Moses went up Mount Sinai. Abraham went up Mount Moriah. Elijah went up Mount Carmel, and Jesus goes up the mountain. 
that says, large crowds gathered. I know there's not a lot of people here at Mass. There's a lot of people watching at home. But I want you to remember this. Catholicism is the fastest growing religion in the world. Not in the West, but certainly in Asia and in Africa. It's over one billion members strong. So today, on this Sunday, right now, there are a billion people going to Mass. In every city, in every town, in every country, in the entire world. I'd call that a large crowd. So the large crowd gathers and goes up the mountain. And Jesus sits down and teaches the people. What do you do after the Gloria? You sit down and you're taught by what? By the word of God, by the word of God. But we don't pay attention. We're too distracted. And people say, oh, mass is boring, Father Joe. And I say, it's not the mass that's boring. It's our lives that have become too distracted with this and with this and with chaos. Of course you're bored for one, one hour. You can't engage God. Of course you're bored for an hour at Mass and you want to get out of here and you wish the priest would shut up and you wish he uses the short prayers when he prays. This priest ain't shutting up, by the way. <laughs> because the rest of your life is so distracted. Of course you have no peace. How could we expect as a church you to be able to sit here in silence and pray for an hour if the rest, every second of the rest of your week is chaotic? So what do people say? Make the Mass more exciting, Father. Get lasers, get guitars, do stuff. Make it more like the world. And my response is, the last thing I want the church and Mass to be is an image of the world. What? Here's a good one, too. Why don't the church get with the times, Father Joe? And I say, oh, because the times are going so well? Because the times are going so well. It's foolish. No, church doesn't conform to the world. World is evangelized by the church. So he sits down and he teaches them. And it says that everyone's hungry. Of course we're hungry. You're hungry, I'm hungry. I come to Mass with a hunger. That's why when I'm at Mass, I'm here. I receive the Eucharist. It gets in, not just to my mouth or my stomach, but to my heart because I yearn for Christ. He feeds them. That's what Jesus does feeds us with the most important food we could ever receive. Our hearts are made for God, and God is what you get when you receive the Eucharist. They all ate and they were satisfied. Before he feeds them, he does something I'm going to do in a second. He takes the bread, he blesses it, he breaks it, and he distributes it. What does the priest do? You'll see me. I'll take it, I'll bless it, I'll break it, and then I'll distribute it. Maybe this wasn't the homily you were expecting when you showed up at St. Mary of Mercy Church. But if we don't understand the Eucharist, we don't understand Catholicism. And if we don't understand Catholicism, we will not understand the most important thing that is person in life. Jesus, let's pray for the rest of Mass. we got 20 minutes left. Let's pray for the rest of Mass, that our family members who have left the church and stopped practicing the faith for whatever reason might once again receive the gift of faith and that our faith would deepen so that we could actually live what we believe.